0: Michelangelo talks about the problem most people have in life is not setting their bar too high and not reaching it. So we bar too low and we we reach it all the time.
1: Today on the Fylighter Podcast, we forge new territory with an author literally between his second and third stop on his first book tour. This promises to be a legendary episode. The book we're discussing is Stacked, Your Super Serious Guide to Modern Money Management by Joe Saul Salcihai and Emily Guy-Burkin. I will admit, I've got a short name for the book. It's called Stacked, Your S-Squared Guide to M-Cube. For those math lovers, right, Joe? Hey... <laughs> The stack Tour will be about 40 cities, and fortunately for the Phi community, the Houston, Texas stop is near my home base in College Station. Joe Saul Sehi is a creator and co-host of the award-winning Stacking Benjamins podcast. This fall, I met Joe and OG at FinCon 21 in Austin, where Joe received the Lifetime Achievement Award. He and his team have numerous accolades and achievements and are major players well-known in the personal finance space. Joe, hey, say hello, man. Hi. You you said my first book tour. I bet it's my last book (laughs) tour.
0: the way we're 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 on stop number three and as you know already uh og and doug were supposed to be here by now they got held up in austin they sent me on commercial airlines because of the fact that I, I i had to be here on time because it's my book tour and my luggage got
1: lost no, that, so, you know reality bites sometimes it, it does i mean I, totally I, I hate does. to picture someone signing all these books in your place i, I would have gotten a haircut and put on different glasses if I had to.
0: Oh, I would have had both my hairs cut.
1: If we, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so, Joe, l- let's talk a little bit about several things. Let's cover a little bit about the book tour. Then we'll talk about the book itself. And then I want to wrap up with some discussion about the Stacking Benjamins podcast. How's that sound today? Yeah, cool. That's good. That's good. Hey, well, let's, let's get back to it. So you're literally in the middle of this Texas book tour, as we call it, part of the world book tour for the Stacked Book Rollout uh, how's it getting started now you're right in between stop number two and three so maybe are you in a rhythm yet is there a consistency is is you know, it chaos
0: yeah you know it's fun. it is chaos but um i was talking to my friend paula pant this morning we yeah. were we were chatting and she reminded me of something that i said to her a long time ago I told her that it's like a runner because I've run 11 marathons and as a runner, you know when you first start getting into it, you don't have any rhythm, you don't know what's going on, you don't but 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 the more your body gets a, a, attuned to it and gets gets into it the easier it gets. And and you kind of get used to the pace. Like you set up what I used to do because I ran in college much faster than I, I I wasn't quite as fat then as I am now. So when I ran in college though, I always knew you went out at a fast pace and you tried to keep it, right? Right, right. And so we decided to set the bar high at 40 cities and uh, which is just way too many. Um, but I'd rather have too many and see, see as many people as we can and hang out with as many cool people as we can, than leave stuff on the table. And she said, Paula said yeah. that, that, uh, you know, it's just like I told her about running that I just need to set a fast pace. It's going to be a little, there's going to be some wrinkles but I'm going to learn very quickly. I think to roll with the punches, but right now I'm on day three, I'm exhausted, but I'm also ready to party in Houston tonight with our Houston friends.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Haven't quite felt the runner high yet. I bet, But yet, you know, yeah. you, you talk about size and marathons, man, the, my, my apex running is, is a half, half, you know, we ran a marathon relay, so I call it a half marathon. I
0: love the relays. Well, I just like the teamwork in it. You know what I mean?
1: Absolutely. And you
0: feel good. The four of you, I mean, It's the same thing we talk about you know, everything doesn't have to be a personal finance analogy, but there is one personal finance is way more fun when you surround yourself with like-minded people.
1: And it's a marathon. Absolutely. It's no sprint. Yes. That's that's why I'm good for it. Yes. (laughs) Absolutely. Okay, Joe. So you're starting in Texas, right? Yeah. Why'd you start in Texas other than it being kind of a home turf for you guys?
0: (laughs) That actually is why is, is because I knew that I could have, OG my co-host with me in Texas. It was going to be a couple easy stops. Also, at the time, you know, when we first were planning this, the tour's been pushed back three months, and so we we were going to start. Actually, excuse me, two months. Right. Uh, we were going to start at the beginning of the year, and because of COVID uh, variants, uh, the Omicron variant, we we pushed it back two months, and uh, uh, Texas was going to be an easier place for us to begin but frankly because of covid rules right we could um, and we had them in these and it's the reason why tonight we're going to be at a microbrewery around the country if especially the first part of the tour were in a lot of microbreweries because it was space for people to fan out you could get some space if you wanted it but you could still hopefully come see us
1: right i saw some uh postings on twitter people sitting outside yeah in patio areas and yeah such.
0: now later in the tour what's interesting is we were planning this the whole first part that is microbreweries um the second half of the tour all of a sudden, bookstores and libraries wanted to partner with us. Like as soon as COVID numbers started hitting the floor just a couple weeks ago. They jumped in. Yes. So starting in like Washington, D.C., which is about city 15, we're in a great bookstore in Arlington called Hooray for Books. In Philadelphia, we're with Hilltop Bookstore, which is actually... It's a cool used bookstore that is aligned with the library, like overflow books that the library has. They sell. Right, and surplus
1: they, type. Yes. Mm-hmm. And they
0: give the proceeds library. So we'll be at Hilltop Books in Philadelphia. In Boston, we're at the Medford Public Library in New in New York. It looks like we'll be at Barnes and Noble in Manhattan. Wow. Yeah. So anyway, but uh, we started in Texas partly for a couple of reasons to answer your first question, yeah. which is number one, I could have OG, my longtime co-host with me. It's really comfortable working with him. So that was, that was a nice start. It was going to be easier because of COVID rules. Also, you know, some short trips. It's a short hike from my home in Texarkana mom's basement over to Dallas, then down to Austin. Uh, I hoped people in San Antonio would forgive us that we skipped them because we went to Austin. They're only an hour apart. Right. Uh, and then I-35 oh,
1: I- can be unpredictable.
0: <laughs> that is true. That is inc- Not even unpredictable. It's downright ugly. <laughs> but my, but then uh, of course, over here to Houston and then tomorrow I, I leave for the West Coast. I'll be in San Francisco next and then San Diego, LA, then Portland, Seattle, and then fly down to Miami.
1: Wow. Well, that is quite a trip. Uh, kind of around the world in 80 days or less. My- <laughs> Much less, right? <laughs>
0: you know what's funny? I'm frugal like everybody in our community in a lot of ways. I, d- I do spend money, um, but I've developed this this fear that I'm going to overspend. Right. So I really am allergic to spending money even though I'm a natural spender. It's like know yourself, right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I spent points that I had for as many of the flights that I had to take as possible. I'm usually like the last row, you know, the cheapest row that I can get on a serious plane serious travel hack, man. Absolutely. Yeah. But the two things that I did, the two long flights I've got from from uh, Houston to San Francisco, and then that Seattle to Miami flight's gonna be a bear. Those two flights, out of all the flights I do, and I think there's gonna be, I think there's gonna be twenty-three or twenty-four flights. I'm going first class. Oh
1: man. That's for the long ride. For the long rides. Yeah, absolutely. If you're going to spend it, spend it wisely. Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Bang for the buck. You know, there's something about a value equation. When you talk about frugality. you know, I'm very much a value focused guy. Yeah. I don't mind spending the money for the value.
0: You know, it's funny that you say that, and I know this is probably a tangent, but when I was, I was a financial planner for 16 years. And, and what really always made me sad was when people skimped on the things they told me they valued because they were too busy blowing money on stuff that they didn't. Right. And it really frustrated me to see to see people that would refuse to spend money and I, I, I don't know don't cheapen your life you know
1: right right you know when there's another family you're close to and the kids are growing up and you you decide hey I'm gonna do a ski trip or something and we're gonna drive we're gonna keep it reasonable uh, and you invite that family and They got a couple of BMWs in the garage, but there's no way they can afford the ski trip. Yeah. Yeah. No, exactly. It's just a matter of setting parameters. I actually have
0: family members that are exactly what you (laughs) (laughs) described.
1: Exactly. (laughs) Well, it sounds like the tour is going to be quite busy, but tell us what would someone expect if they made it to one of your tour stops you know what's, oh. uh, you know they register what's yeah. the event like yeah yeah cool it
0: is super casual and laid back number one because as, as you know already that's our brand right
1: <laughs> a little bit low stress. yes
0: our brand is definitely approachable and no judgment and let's just get as many people involved in money discussions as possible and the events meant are meant to reflect though so we usually start the presentation, unless it's at a library bookstore. Library bookstore, we're gonna start the presentation right at the time it says on the schedule. Oh, so yeah. if in your city, I'm at a library bookstore, it's gonna start on time. But if it's at a microbrewery-
1: Then the schedule's a little more fluid, we, so to speak.
0: Yeah, <laughs> and we start, and, and and you know, everybody can have a beer or two. And, up a little and, yeah, bit. Yeah, absolutely. So we start half an hour in. Mm-hmm. I'm partnering with, in, with the, because as you know, uh, doing what you and I do, mm-hmm. you get to know people all over the US. Right. And I've been doing it 10 years, so in every city, I've got a friend of mine who's somebody who's influential in the space, who's going to be RMC. As an example, here in Houston, it's uh, Sharita Humphrey. Wow! And Sharita, by the way, has gotten—I don't know if you know her—but she's gotten the key to the city. Houston gave her the key to the city for the the education that she's done here. She's got a key to town. the
1: fourth largest city in the country. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, <laughs> that's I know. Right? Got to be a big key. She's on, that's to be
0: huge. Yeah, she she's unlocked Houston. I don't know what's inside Houston, yeah. but it, she's got that key.
1: No, that's phenomenal. You know, I, I started my career literally just a few blocks from here back when there were eight accounting firm, eight big eights, right? Yes. Yeah. I walked these streets many times and I had flashbacks as I drove in because this doesn't change. The green lights all go straight for a little while, then they go 90 degrees perpendicular. So when you feel a yellow light coming you look for the next one-way street that goes the way you want to go and you hit the gas because those are going to turn green. So you know how to go zigzag and get where you want to go faster. You know, I don't really drive poorly, Joe, but my wife <laughs> says my pickup is not the Miata, okay? She...
0: Uh, uh, so Sharita, as an example tonight, uh-huh, right. is going to have maybe four planned questions, but and we're learning as we go. What we used to have in Dallas and in Austin, we had eight questions that were planned. And, and, I'll, and Shrita comes up with those... And she and I just kind of talk about it, but we've cut that from eight to four.
1: The two of you. Uh, yeah. Just front, the, the yeah. two of
0: us in front of everybody just chat. Uh-huh. And then uh, after those four questions, we open it up for Q and a, and we're actually going to scale that back too. Cause like last night, last night people asked questions for almost 90 minutes. And, and there were some people that had to go. And then afterwards I was signing books and there was right. a guy, poor Richard. He was a super guy. He had to cut in line. Cause he's like, I, I'm sorry. I was supposed to be home like half an hour ago. And I felt horrible. So, we're gonna we're gonna actually have 20 probably 20 minutes of Q&A with me and whoever the MC is and if Emily's with me or if uh OG and Doug are with me like tonight right they'll be involved in part of that and then as much Q&A as we can hit in about 30 minutes after that and then people can keep asking us questions I saw Penn and Teller a long time ago I don't know if you've ever seen them the cool thing about Penn and Teller uh-huh the magicians they I saw them in Kansas City they ran to the back of the room after they said thank you for coming yeah. and literally instead of going backstage they ran right through the crowd to the back uh-huh and every person who wanted to, that was in line to shake their hand or get a picture, or whatever, they stayed until the end of the night. Wow. And it just made this impression on me. Commitment
1: and, to community.
0: Absolutely. And, you know, community is what we're all about. So, right. so I'll tell all of your friends listening that if you come to one of our events and you want to talk to us, we're going to stay there. Like, don't make me stay there forever. Just right, to prove right. my point. But <laughs> if,
1: if they feel like they really want to say hello to Joe, they yes. need to stay and do it. Yes. Uh, yeah. Because we will stay. Well, uh, the, as know, long as you want to be there. The, the first time I met you, Joe, you guys were willing to talk to anybody out at FinCon.
0: Yeah, but who did... You know what's funny? It, it is... It is. I would like to say that that is me. I mean, to some degree it is me, but I have to say that I learned that from the FinCon community.
1: Right. I mean, I, I visited with Paula Pant when I was out there, uh, you know, several others, uh, Yes. you know, Rob Berger, i talked to him. I just literally read his book right beforehand. It's so brilliant. I, I brought, brought his book with me the next day to get him to sign it. And I just couldn't track him down. I was so bummed, but yeah, it was,
0: I remember when I, and, and, and this is kind of a, this is kind of you learn because of people that came before you. So I'm, considered one of the old guys now at FinCon that have been around forever. Right, right. But when I started, I remember going to my first FinCon, which was the second one, and and I remember seeing JD Roth and Jeff Rose. And Jim Wang, I remember I was getting, you know, J- Jim Wang had a great site called Barganeering, which is one of the first top sites. Uh-huh. And and I'm making myself like a bagel because uh, they used to have food like outside the main yeah. area because it was so small. And I'm making myself a bagel. And Jim Wang comes up and goes, hey, I'm Jim, how you doing? And, and, yeah. and I'm like, oh, oh, it's this guy. And we just kind of start talking. And then I look at his, I look at his name tag and I'm like, this is Jim
1: Yeah. I'm talking to Jim <laughs> Wang.
0: Yes. I had no idea. Yeah, right. I went around the corner at one point and uh, a guy named Adam Baker, he, who used to really be in the space, Man Versus Debt was his blog, it, uh-huh. it, he doesn't do it anymore. But J.D. Roth and Ramit Sadie were sitting mm-hmm. together, the three of them having a chat. And, and I just walked up and I said, hey guys, I said, I just want to say I'm big fans of all of your work. And they were all, and now, you know, I've, I can't tell you, but Ramit and I talk maybe five or six times a year. Exactly. JD is like my bud. Oh, man. Um, but, but, but you know what I mean? Yes, those,
1: it's a community. Yes, yeah. those guys
0: did it to me. Right, right. Liz, Liz Weston, I mean, I mentioned a bunch of guys. Liz yeah. Weston did that too. Liz, Liz is amazing. So it, I feel like whenever anybody comes up to me and wants to talk to me, it is my job.
1: You guys are giving everybody a hand up. I mean, Abs- I, I feel absolutely uh, like I can approach people and talk to others in the industry.
0: You know, a fan of ours asked us this last night in Austin. She said, she's like, I know that you're on Paula Pants show all the time. She's on right. Stacking Benjamins all the time. Do you guys ever, like, feel any pressure to, like, steal stuff from each other to kind of, you know, to kind of fight? And, and the answer is this is that dave ramsey and this is going to be a roundabout way of answering this but yeah. dave ramsey doesn't publish his numbers but he's got the biggest podcast in our space right, he, right. he and planet money yeah right i so, see it
1: in the rankings
0: yes yeah. and so you take those two podcasts and dave doesn't talk about what his numbers are neither does planet money but most people say it's about one to one and a half million per episode yeah uh, people listen so let's say that it's even two million
1: so, you I'm got still two working on my first million, so
0: <laughs> You got two million for Dave. You've got two million for uh, Planet Money. You've got you. You've yeah. got us. You've got Jonathan and Brad at Choose FI. You've right. got Paula. You've got uh, Joel and Matt at How to Money. You've got uh, 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 Farnoosh, Tarabi. You've got, you know, you just the frugal friends. You got all you take, right. you take all of our podcasts put together, and there's maybe, maybe 40 million people listening. Maybe. Oh, wow out of 350 million people in the United States. So, 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 and that's the way I answered this woman's question. I'm like, we don't steal each other because we from each because we know nobody's listening. There is so
1: much upside and growth of the market and, and podcast adoption. We
0: totally need to. Yeah. If if our true mission is not to beat the hell out of each other, but really is to grow the the space. You know,
1: and and I, I've got a question down here that really is something I'm going to suck up to the top. Now, your passion for financial education and the need for people to understand these life type issues is something that's shared across the board.
0: Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. yeah, no, that's something that, um, yeah, it's something I'm really passionate about. I mean, let's, let's get more people involved. Right. So we do need, so if you're listening to Paul and I right now, you, you start a podcast, uh, uh, start a blog and, and you know what people are like, well, the space just seems so saturated. Listen to, Listen to quite a few shows, kind of figure out where your space is and, and do it.
1: Yeah, I hear you because I'm in a podcasting group and earlier on as we all started launching our podcast, would have these group calls once a month. And you know, people would talk about how things were going, what their challenges were, what they were facing, and group think. We'd we'd help each other yeah. and support each other. Yeah. And then someone would throw out what their downloads were on their last episode or what their total downloads are. You know, you want to say yay yay rah rah, but like yeah. crap, how <laughs> come I'm not doing Damn. that? Damn. Yeah, yeah. I got a, a lot of people listening might know the
0: brand Bigger Pockets. Oh, I
1: listen to them uh, frequently. Yeah. yeah. And
0: Josh Dorkin. This is another yeah. FinCon story. Josh Dorkin at an early FinCon he he sat on my right and, and and Brandon Turner sat on my left and I'm sitting between these two guys that are icons right right and uh and Josh and I have become and Brandon and I yeah. have become good friends since then but I was talking about our show and Josh pulled up his laptop and showed me his downloads and this is maybe this is maybe 7 years ago, 8 years ago. Uh-huh. And and we're getting a few downloads here and there cuz we our podcast is pretty darn new and and he's pulling like 50 at that time, 50-60,000 downloads an episode. And I immediately when I'm like, "Oh, I told him I'm like, "Josh, I will never get there." And he literally pre-COVID put his arm around me and he said, "Don't compare my middle to your beginning." don't do it. He's like, that'll, that'll suck all the fun out of it. He goes, just do what you do. Keep doing what you do. And the numbers will, if you get obsessed with the numbers, you're going to kill the joy and people are going to hear it. And it's just going to be this horrible thing. Well,
1: you, you lose that natural authenticity and you start to be focused on what, what is it I've got to do to get a number instead of this is what I believe. This is who I am. My crowd, my tribe is going to find me.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. But when it's funny, you say that, I don't know if I've ever said this, this, if you and I've said this when I've talked yeah. before but I had a mentor Leon who said that a woman named Katana who is incredible Katana said and this was about being a financial planner but I think it's true for anything Right, you will attract people that are like you and you'll repel people who aren't and it's funny because when you look at negative reviews of our show there are always people that don't fit my mission these are people that want uh, more efficiency. They want tips per minute. Like how can I give more tips per minute because the the, the, the only negative right. review we get all the time is that we screw around too much.
1: Hey Joe, do they know there's a skip 30 second button on podcast?
0: All right. Yeah, so they could, they could go like, ahead and... <laughs> and if they were an Apple Watch, it's just a tip-tap on the wrist. But there's also lots of other other shows out there, and I'm clearly not ever going to be that person because our goal surround sound. It's not tips per minute. That's right. That's yes. right.
1: You know, uh, I, I, I frequently enjoy listening to Trivia Question and, <laughs> and all the craziness that is on, is on the podcast. I want to talk more about your podcast later. Let's talk about the book. I, I got to go back to something we talked about earlier. You are literally wearing a BCS marathon finisher shirt and uh you know that's bryan college station for those of you that don't know so i i uh, i live in that area in the last um half marathon my wife ran was the bcs half marathon
0: at the time that i got this this was the fastest marathon i'd ever run because as you know it's very flat
1: well it's yeah. fast
0: it is beautiful and the students come out at a&m massive support when you run through campus i i was hurting it's about the 17 18 mile mark if i remember right right and so i'm just dying and all of a sudden there's students all over me and i was revived yeah. like it was fantastic and because of that i ran my best time
1: yeah well you know i confess you know I am an Aggie, so I, I, I know that it's God's country. And when I had a chance to move back there, I was so excited. But Well,
0: uh, I've got a special place in my heart for Aggies, uh, mostly because of the Corps, because I went to the Citadel, the Military College wow, of South Carolina. Yeah, yeah. So any school that has a Corps of Cadets is, is, uh, has a fond place in my heart.
1: Well, you know, it's neat to be in a, in a city that really is pro-support for the military, you know, and I can't say enough about... How many goosebumps you get when you're sitting in Kyle field and the the flyover happens before the game, yeah oh uh, you know, I just I just yell you know, u s a as loud as I can it's magic, it's magic well hey let's let's talk a little bit about why you're here in our city. Uh, stack the book. Yes, I, I'm going to make sure, since you mentioned it, you signed mine before I leave here today. <laughs> That's right.
0: Yeah, <laughs> No waiting in line for Paul.
1: Uh-uh, buddy. Uh, so, you know, there's a lot. Uh, there's countless personal finance books on the shelf. What makes this book unique? Man, uh,
0: I'm, in a, I'm in a lucky space where our show's three times a week and two of those shows have a featured interview. So for the last 10 years, I've been interviewing two people a week roughly, not for that whole time initially, uh, we weren't three days a week, but for a good seven or eight of those years. And so I get to see a lot of the space, right? I get to see a lot of the books. And what I notice is most of the books are fairly heavy and they're presented as heavy and they're presented for depth. And that doesn't make them bad, by the way, that makes them really good. Like Morgan Housel's book is fantastic. As a new book, of course, J.L. Collins book is fantastic. Yeah. But also Vicky Robbins book, which is kind of the bedrock, if you want money philosophy, but they're all presented with this depth and this heart. And the thing that the thing that was always missing for me was a book that was much more an introductory book. My favorite book uh, before this, when it came to personal finance, was Rick Edelman's The Truth About Money. Huh, okay. And it's, it's a good book. It, it presents things uh, surprisingly in a funny way. But besides that book, uh, which wasn't still as funny as I wanted it, <laughs> uh, 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 there wasn't anything that presented it lightly. So I started off, I start off with this project and brought Emily in later. I'd written a book for 10 years, over 10 years. I got serious about it the last couple of years and I finished it. I handed it to my alpha reader, my wife, Cheryl. Cheryl, right? Yes, to Cheryl. And uh, Cheryl, about 18 minutes later, told me that it sucked. Like she, in the nicest way possible. She didn't even
1: get through the first chapter. So. She,
0: oh, oh. How fair is that? Oh, it was incredibly fair, dude, because it <laughs> you was poured horrible. poured your heart
1: into this book.
0: <laughs> well, here's the thing. The book was not written in the way that we like to teach and talk about money it was written in a heavy manner like a lot of the books that are out there
1: right right where i have to kind of read the pages three times sometimes
0: yeah and it wasn't congruent with our mission which is a very introductory mission we don't want to be the last word in personal finance we don't want to be the first word right right
1: right. you're swinging for the 95 percenters not the five percent funkiness yes it's like this is the fairway if people understand the fairway Life is 99% easier. Well, and then if I can introduce
0: you to people, so I think a good analogy for our show is an, is an airport. I just left the airport and there's all these planes. Right. My job is to introduce you to the different planes that are out there that we like. And then you decide which plane you get on. Right. And, uh, and we show you all these different paths to victory. But that book didn't do that. So I was frustrated. We were on a trip out to Portland, Oregon, and I was in this great, bookstore called Powell's and Mm -hmm. I like to wander bookstores and go through the different sections (laughs) I'm guilty I'm guilty and
1: I just get titles just jump off the shelves yeah
0: you get get this inspiration and and this this stuff that you didn't realize that you loved you didn't know you didn't you needed it yeah exactly you didn't know know. (laughs) and you and I haven't talked to Tom but we've talked enough for you to know this is believable right I am in the kids section (laughs) which is totally me And I see the Hardy Boys Detective Manual.
1: Oh, man. Classics.
0: I carried this book around everywhere in fourth grade. My brother and I, we dog-eared it. But but here's the thing. It wasn't like a Hardy Boys story. It was actually a manual written with the help of a real-life FBI agent. Kind
1: of a how-to.
0: Yes. And they tell you that at the very beginning. So, you know, my brother and I, we would on a rainy day, we'd go out and look at the tire tracks of my dad left for work. And we'd examine the tire tracks. Like I told us in the book, <laughs> my mom would touch a doorknob and we'd be over there with the tape getting her fingerprints. You don't know where mom's been. Right. Right. Yeah. And I, and, and I immediately thought this is the tone I need. That is the tone, the Hardy Boys Detective Manual. So then we fly home, I was living in Michigan at the time, and we fly home to Detroit, and I'm 50 years old, Paul. (laughs) I'm 50 years old when this happens, I'm 54 now, but I was 50 when I started this journey. And my mom has finally, at 50, left this box of stuff from her attic that she couldn't trust me with until then, Right, like my Little League pictures, you know, my uh, the special memory box. Exactly. Yeah. She handed him over, but in there was the Cub Scout Wolf guide. And the cool thing is, is that, People like you and I know that gamification is where it's at. Right, right. If you turn this into a game, what happens? You're going to fear it less. If you lose, you lose. Not a big thing. You just learn from it. Second, you're going to have this growth mentality toward doing it. And third, it becomes fun and you're an explorer. You're doing all this
1: stuff. Check it out, Joe. I, I even have <laughs> sign. Yes. I got a sign-off here at the end of the book. You know? Yeah. Uh, and and let's, you know, let's talk about the structure, the yes. structure of the book, because this is kind of unique there's four parts or or major sections and there's 14 chapters and then within each chapter there's there's a combination of things there's a tools you need list then there's the typical text kind of sprinkled with these focus highlighted tombstone features yeah and then um at the end of the chapter there's a podcast interview excerpt and the last thing you find is this checkoff list of achievements in a badge parent sign off right, right. yeah
0: <laughs> gotta have your mom sign it at the bottom of each chapter of
1: course you know because th- that proves it really happened you know how did you guys decide on this overall structure and components yeah
0: yeah well that was it it was the cub scout wolf guide yeah. number one and 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 so i had that down uh complete i wanted to I love showing proficiency at the end by having to check all these boxes by doing the things. You know, our tools that you need at the beginning are always kind of dorky. They're, they're
1: not- Yeah, not, a I mean, little bit, a yeah, little
0: bit. Yeah, but then when we get into it, we present it very competently, but with a lot of humor in it. And then we get we get to that end, and uh, I do like showing proficiency. Of course, the badges are just to pay homage to this idea. Right,
1: I mean, it's nice yes. reinforcement of what we learned.
0: Absolutely, you know, the funny thing about this though, is that when we were pitching this to Penguin Random House, who our publisher. We actually have the same editor as James Clear from Atomic Habits. Okay, yeah, I've read that book. Yes, and uh, Nina, our editor is amazing. But when we were pitching it to them, we're on Zoom calls because it's in the middle of COVID. And so Emily and I are on these calls and we're going, okay, here's what we want to do. We want to take the Hardy Boys Detective Manual and we want to combine it with the Cub Scout Wolf Guide, but we want it to be about money and we want it to be for adults. And Emily and I were both, like, we were so sure that, like, Penguin was going to hang up on us. <laughs> like, are
1: you are you really going for something
0: that unique? Right, right. right. And so, but frankly, I haven't seen that before. This book is not meant to be read end to end. You can read it end to end, and you, I think you'll get a lot out of it, but it's much more.
1: You know, I like the word that you have in the title, and that word, Guide, guide, you know, because yeah. I kind of yeah. I see this a little bit like that personal finance reference book. Yes. you know, there's there's a chapter in there about insurance and how insurance, like I'm talking about, you know, the house that burns down story, right? <laughs> yes. It's like how it works. Yes, and I think it's it's a great way to communicate the concept uh, of insurance to people.
0: I, I I love that story, and I'm glad you liked it because th- that story I actually wrote about how insurance was developed, which is a total lie. It didn't happen like that. <laughs> But, but in my head, yeah, it really explains like, oh,
1: this is how they kind of do this. It's a classic parable lesson, man. Emily Guy Birkin, of course, is your co-author. You know, and I, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about what it was like working with the notorious EGB. <laughs>
0: <laughs> she. I got so lucky, dude, because so the reason I wanted to co-author after I had this idea was because of the fact I was reading a different book and the author had wrote in the back. It was it was a it was a true it was a nonfiction book. And she wrote at the end of the book in this epilogue about how she'd had this book deal for two years and she'd done nothing. But this woman worked in publishing and she's like, I'm surrounded by great writers. I interview great writers all the time and, right. I, and, and I felt the same. I'm like, oh, if, if I do this. It's better to, you and I talked about this with running or anything else yeah. with finance, it's better to pack hunt. It's more fun to do it with somebody else. I'm surrounded by all these brilliant people. Why wouldn't I partner up with somebody? Yeah. My first choice was Emily because Emily and I have been friends for a long time. She's got four books that are on bookstore shelves already. She's gonna calm down any publisher that we would have um because she knows the ropes she's
1: plugged into the industry right yeah
0: she knows how to get the stuff done so i know i know the marketing side of it and i'm not a bad writer but emily is very very experienced in the area and 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 i was so honored when once again i called emily and she's like I said, "Hey, I have this book idea, and I'm wondering if you want to partner with me." She goes, uh-huh, "Well, what is it?" And I'm like, <laughs> "So there's the Hardy Boys Detective Manual." Oh no,
1: the same story. And right. the comes Count Wolf right, guy. Right. Yeah, and I thought she was going to hang up on me, but she's like, "That, that sounds awesome. Let's do it." I know when you're working as a team with someone else, you bring strengths and they bring strengths, right? Yeah. Yeah, you know, understand that perhaps maybe that you guys in your first draft of the manuscript had it a little bit long, maybe fifty percent long, like a hundred and twenty thousand. You words. did your homework. What in the world happened to him? you? Did your homework? So yeah, but one of you might have yeah. been a little better than the other on how do we get down?
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, it is great when you've got so much knowledge poured into a book that you were supposed to write it, uh, you know, 85,000 words and it ends up 50,000 too many.
1: Yeah. I hear Emily has a a great uh, Zoom background (laughs) sometimes, you know, when you're working with Emily Guy Birkin, that's Emily Stone Cold Guy Birkin, right? (laughs) Instead of her name, because... So what would happen to
0: explain what Paul's talking about to everybody is that is that we would have these cutting sessions and we'd go chapter by chapter and she'd go I think we cut this and I'm like no that's good and she's like no nope, we're cutting it and she cuts it and she's obviously the expert and then we go on to the next thing let's cut it and then and then I start joking about how horrible she is so the next time we get on Zoom for our next thing she's changed her name in the name box to Emily Stone Cold <laughs> Guy <Birkin>. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> so she became this. You had a theme song for her, right? You know, yeah. great story. Let's cut it. Let's well, it. Was uh-huh. you were you were Let's full of them, it. right, Joe? Yes. Yeah, so yeah, kill so your darlings. It's, yeah, kill your darlings, murder your darlings. <laughs> yeah, I am a fan of getting the thoughts on paper and then going back and yeah. and, and weeding out the excess. But when fifty percent of it has to go, that's got to be painful because you're kind of you're married to some of those concepts, especially in your earlier drafts of the book. I bet they were in there. And it's like, I can't let that go. You
0: totally are. but And we had to decide again. And if you read negative reviews of our book, which there, there, there's a couple, there's not a ton, but there are a couple. It's the same negative review we have about my podcast, which is, it's an incredibly competent book. They screw around a lot. Yeah, I wish there yeah. weren't so the, many jokes. Well,
1: you know, I, I want to bring up a little bit about the the humor Yeah, uh, because, you know, I, I call it the age and age factor here. You and Emily uh, seem to really have found a balance in being authentic in this book. And, and getting lessons using your personal stories. You know, your your humility is gigantic in this book. And in another dominating constant throughout the book is the humor component. And I was wondering, does that just come from both of you? Uh, is that something that's that's something that's native in you guys? Yeah. I mean
0: it, you know, our, our podcast is funny because A, we work on comedy, but I like laughing. And you know, this is my as 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 you know, Paul, this is my second quote career. And I tell people all the time, I'm, I just, I feel so blessed to be in a job where if I'm laughing all day, we're doing our job right. Right. You know, Yeah. how yeah. fun is that? <laughs>
1: there, you know, there is joy in this, buddy. yes,
0: the more that I laugh, the better it is. So yeah, we, um, our goal was to make each other laugh. Um, and she would write things. I had an audience of one for my chapters and it was Emily. And if I could make Emily laugh and I could surprise the hell out of her, then she would she would uh, text me and go, oh my God, I just got to the something part and I'm rolling on the floor. And I'm, and and same thing back, I'd be so surprised when she, she wrote the part about mutual funds Uh and she found herself writing the word mutual fund over and over. And all of a sudden she realized it was more fun. If you just call them MFs (laughs) and it's, and it's even more fun if you do it in Samuel Jackson's voice.
1: Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to confess that I had to look up on the urban dictionary. Some of the stuff that she posts from (laughs) time to time. I mean, and then I looked over to my son and I, and I said, you know, he's he's 25, I guess, or, or close to it. <laughs> yeah. And I said, do you know what this means? He says, Dad, that's been around for five years. Come man. on, Dad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, well,
0: I, I got a, Emily's hipper than both of us combined.
1: No doubt about yeah. it. Yeah, no doubt about it. Well, I got five years on you, so I try to stay hip, but I am not as cool <laughs> as I thought. You mentioned Emily. Uh, she she did some drawing and illustrations in this book. She did. What's up with the fox and the unicorn?
0: Yeah, so so she, Emily... Emily, uh, uh, loves to draw and she's taken cartooning classes, but she's never had her drawings in a book. And one day at the end of a long day of editing, she told me that. And I'm like, I see your, your cartoons all the time. Why the hell aren't you making us? The cartoons? window is
1: open for this to happen. Yes.
0: Yeah. I'm like, we have our book. Let's do it. So, yeah. so she's like, well, who do you want to be? Like, what animal are you? She's like, cause I'm a unicorn and she's got like these unicorn <laughs> yeah. clothing. Like if you see Emily, she either has clothing on it with a lightning bolt or a unicorn or something crazy on it. And I'm like, well, you know what? I've just always identified with with just the fox. And so she 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 created this fox with the microphone. And it was pretty, pretty fun. I, I like
1: it. I like it. Yeah, I can and it, see you in it.
0: At the end of at the end of every chapter and we go into the interview from the show that kind of puts the cap on what we're talking about right there's a picture of joe as a fox with his microphone introducing the thing and it, it, it
1: came out really well so I, yeah i really like those interviews in each chapter and i was just wondering what is it like uh going through the archives and trying to decide what interview you're going to use and are they fresh in your mind or do you have to go back to the archives
0: it you know each of the chapters came down to there's two inches this question first one is there were great people who didn't make the book because of the fact that they didn't talk about any of the things that ended up in the book. They right. talked about Did, other things. Yeah, just
1: different shows. Yes, yeah. yeah.
0: So so but when I got down to investing, it was fairly easy to go back and remember th- four or five people. The hard part wasn't who to put in. The hard part was when you've been around as long as I've been around, who's being left out? Right. And right. are they going to feel you really bad? Wanna,
1: yeah, you really want to honor those key people. Absolutely. What yeah. you, well, you want to honor, it's because there's so many great voices. Well, you know, I posted a picture on Twitter yesterday, and I had your book on the top of a stack of financial books. I saw that. <laughs> Statistically, it does have a few pages in it, right? It you notice Ramit was lower. I know. Yeah. Yes. Just hey, buy Ramit. Few, just by a few pages, though. Hey, Ramit. Yeah. <laughs>
0: We're talking to you, man. yeah mine's coming, better.
1: It's coming to you. Well, and that's an
0: example as, an, as a good example. Uh, I had talked to Rami about, um, about doing something in the book. He was on a, on a tour doing other things at the time. Actually, I take that back. It was about endorsing it. He wasn't in the book about endorsing right. it. And he right. was, and it was funny because I was talking to him. He came on our show and we're getting ready to hit record. And he's like, Hey, how's your book going? He goes, Oh crap. I never wrote something for your book. And I said, no, but that's fine, man. You're, you're a busy dude. But he goes, he goes, I'll tell you what, my endorsement's not that big a deal. He goes, I'm going to do you one better. I'm going to and this goes back to what you and I were talking about earlier. Yeah. He goes afterwards, we'll take as long as, as long as you want. And I'll tell you about how I promoted my book. And so I got to talk to Ramit Said about how he promoted, how- uh, Very successful. Yes, book. I will teach you to be rich, but yeah. you know what's funny? It's successful more because of the promotion. Yeah. The way he promoted it, like that's a book that lives on because he's such a good promoter. Yeah, yeah. So,
1: yeah. Yeah, the title's not a bad one either. No, it's it, a great it, title. It rolls off pretty easy. Yes. As a matter of fact, I featured it in one of my blog posts uh, last summer.
0: Well and, well, and speaking of titles, Emily's sister said to her like halfway as we were through us writing the manuscript goes, she, she texts her and goes, hey, you know, stack means big boobs, don't you? <laughs> and Emily goes, I'm aware.
1: <laughs> <laughs> she, she's smarter than the average guy, man. No doubt about it. Hey, uh, one of the things I also saw in the book and in, in the content side was one of my absolute favorite graphics uh, by Paul Girard. I don't know if it's his last name, but it's the one on asset classes yeah, in, yeah. in each year. Yeah, yeah. I just think visually that tells such a story, kind of like what you actually even said yesterday in your podcast episode intro, is the markets are crazy right now. Yeah. But what does a smart guy do? Uh well Hopefully they have a finance investing policy, right? Yeah, absolutely. I, uh, you know, what's funny is that we had a
0: question from a guy that was a beginning investor yesterday about this, and he actually admitted that when he first started investing, he realized that he looked at the one-year return all the time. And what this, what this chart that Paul's talking about shows, it, it takes a bunch of different asset classes and it compares them against each other every year. And they're different shades of gray in the book, and if you find it online, you'll see they're different colors. You're
1: right, and I jump around. Yes.
0: Year. And w- what you'll notice is what a huge mistake you're making if you invest in the top thing from the year before.
1: Right. If you were not in energy this year. <laughs>
0: right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> or, or, you know, look at last year. Technology. Yeah. Technology is getting killed right now. Right. Right. And it was so hot and you feel bad for, you know, everybody... Everybody it was everybody jumped on Kathy Wood's bandwagon from Ark Investments. Craziness. Right when she was at the top, they all jumped on her bandwagon and now she's the person that everybody likes to make fun of and it's not her. She is brilliant. Yeah. It's that she invests in emerging technology. Yeah.
1: I'd like to say, you know, I'm a CPA and, and a financial guy and uh, mostly in operational finance. I started my career in public accounting, but you know, you you think financial guys know better. And the reality was I read the Simple Path to Wealth, and about page one hundred, I went over to my computer and opened a Vanguard account, and I proceeded to just start dumping all the individual named stocks I had and dumping it into index funds. Yeah,
0: absolutely, yeah.
1: <laughs> it yeah. was like if I was living this way when I was, you know, just learning and starting out, or even somewhere around thirty-five or forty, having gone through the eighty-seven, you know, market, you know, yes. shift and uh, the, well, you uh, were Y two K, and and based on what you told me earlier, you were here probably when Enron was here. I, I literally my my first week when I changed jobs, I worked with the oil field service business and our CEO walks in the very first week. We're in a staff meeting in one of those uh, you know, think tank rooms with yeah. whiteboards all the way around. He he walks in the door, Joe, and he says, first of all, do any of you guys own Enron stock? You may want to step out and sell it." <laughs> and the second thing he says is There's going to be some great people on the street. Let's hire the ones we need and jump on them. Like right now. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: Well, and that was the horrible thing, right? There were maybe four people, maybe 10 that knew what was going on. And there were so many secretaries Um, that lost their jobs. So many support people. So many.
1: Yeah. An international tax lady. And she taught me a lesson that I didn't learn the easy way, which is, when you invest in your company stock or your options, sell them and liquidate them and diversify. You're counting on those guys for yeah. your paycheck every week. Yeah. And, and you yeah. don't need too much risk. Moving closer to the wrap up here, I wanna talk a little bit more about, one of the things you talk about in the book is, you know when people have a top line and a bottom line, you know they can get increase that gap a little bit. But one of the easiest ways to make up headway and get to financial independence quicker is growing the top line. And right now in this current market, People have a lot of leverage if they want to really get what they're worth. And companies have kind of got a tough position where their top talent has a lot of opportunity. And if you want to grow that top line and ask for that raise, this isn't a regular year. This is like a very high probability you're going to get it.
0: Yeah. And studies show that even in a year that's not like this year, you're going to get it. Uh, your boss wants to give you a raise, you just haven't asked. Or if you have asked, you haven't asked in, in in the right way. And think about it this way. You know, when you talk about uh, how crazy things are, inflation number was just, what, 7.5%? If yeah. You, if if you don't get a 7.5% raise, you are not even keeping up.
1: You're losing ground. Absolutely.
0: So a 7.5% raise is just is just standing still um so yeah. you have to get the historically you have to get the what it,
1: uh, inflation was running around two and a half percent or something yeah. in that range so you're right uh, you're, you're treading water everybody goes to the gas pump right and they see how much it's going to come out of their pocket every time they fill up right now and they feel it yeah you know, it's real yep um you know i, I want to wrap up because i know we're running up against a time constraint here shortly um is there anything else about this book that you know we, we didn't cover? I mean, I, I have tons of things I'd love to talk about, but yeah. I do want to say that there's some great information in the book. Uh, it's written in a way you can digest it. If you like a little humor, this is definitely the book you want to grab. Um, <laughs> There, there is, if you don't like humor. Yeah, you know, there's going to be some humor in this book. We should fully disclose that, Joe. Uh, but, you know, there's also some great lessons in the content and, and real situations that you can imagine or may even live through them yourself, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. There is one thing in the back of the book that that I want to talk about briefly, which is having advisors around you. And I know a lot of the the fire community, especially when I am in those forums and somebody talks about their advisor, everybody says fire your advisor because you're smart enough to do this yourself, which I think is ridiculous. And the reason I think it's ridiculous is because that's not the right question. Of course, you're smart enough to do it yourself. Right. But we all have blind sides. And when I was a financial planner, I did find people that they didn't need to hire me, but I never found anybody that was doing stuff perfectly. So surrounding yourself with brainiacs who know more than you do about certain—and I'm not even talking about money anymore—I'm just right, talking right. about your life.
1: Right, right. Life coaches, uh, skills—you know—continuous improvement is something that takes effort, and maybe you can't see it yourself, or your spouse can't see it. And getting other people in your corner can make a difference.
0: Absolutely. And let me define just very briefly what I mean, because when I say hire advisors. I'm gonna tell you what I mean and what I don't mean just very quickly.
1: Right. There is a chapter 14 that also talks about financial advisors. It does. In the book. Yes. So you're talking in a broader sense, right? Absolutely. Advisors, j- just when you,
0: well, no, I'm actually gonna talk about what's in chapter 14 a little yeah. bit here. And that's this. If you have advisors that take it from you and you meet with them once or twice a year and you're like, hey, how did my money do? Fire those people or redefine the relationship. Right. And an analogy that I like is, And I don't know if it's in the book or not, is... Mary Barra at General Motors. Uh GM is not the, you know, the the, the Wall Street darling, GM has struggled, but look at how they've stayed relevant, how Mary's kept them in the game. They've reinvented themselves. They totally have, and they're in the conversation still, which is amazing after all the things that they went through. So I really credit her. Mary is the CEO of that company, which you should be with your personal finances. Mary does not go to all her VPs and go, okay, you guys do the car thing for the next six months. And I'll come back and see how you did that. No,
1: you, you, yeah. you got to rely on experts in their fields.
0: Yes. But, but you've got to be the CEO, which means you still go to the meetings. You still go to camp fi. If you want to do that stuff, you still read the books. You still listen to the podcast. You do all the stuff, but you still have these smart people around you. Like Mary has her VPs that help her do a better job. Do not abdicate your throne to somebody else hire people or, you know, if you can't hire people to surround yourself with people, take smart people to breakfast and ask them how they did it.
1: Yeah. I had, I had a lunch with a guy today and uh, not today, last week. And we talked a lot about something, but just connecting with other people, you know, one of the things, OG said this in one of your episodes and it just sticks with me. He talks about financial advisor client that he had. And, and it was a guy or, or one, a guy he talked to and he thought he had everything figured out. I mean, he had this 5 or $6 million bond portfolio that was paying all of next to nothing per- and he could live off the interest. Yeah, he was good. And 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 OG's comment that just stuck with me is, you know, what do you tell this guy? You know, he could have left his kids $20 million in 10, 20 years when he passed away, but all that would ever be there is that $5 million, you know, and so just realizing, help take the blinders off. Get another perspective and just see what other things might be out there you don't know about or haven't thought about and then be vulnerable and willing to listen. And as a guy who does stuff in
0: my community in Texarkana and I, I'm i on a board that helps build walking trails. It's all citizens. We have a budget of about zero and we go out and we help the cities. You build. have work days, right? Y- yes, we do that. And we help them raise money. We do a great half marathon in Texarkana called, cause Texarkana is in two states. So it's called run the line where you run down the state line road, but. But think about what he could have done for his community and the legacy, not even just his kids, but his community, his, his things he cared about, people he cared about. And, and that was my favorite part of that, too, where he's like, maybe this guy didn't think big enough. Like, if you're, do, do you really want to end where, hey, I'm OK? Well, good for you. Good for you.
1: You know, in the conclusion of the book, you talk about the interview that you use is uh, one from Gene Chatsky uh, about using your resources well. And I think that speaks a lot to this. Uh, You know, and one of the key points there is, you know, in the bigger picture, what do you really want from your money? First up is freedom. Then you talk about flexibility and time. Those three seem to come up a lot. And then Gene responded, they really do. When you think about it, what does money really buy you? The realization that money is just a tool. And people who continue to think it's just about money haven't yet realized that money is the tool that we use to get what we want out of life. Isn't that incredible?
0: It's it's great. And she's amazing, by the way. I love her.
1: And the perfect interview for the last uh, conclusion section of the book, I think. Well, Joe, I appreciate you spending the time with us here today, and I'm I'm hoping that the rest of the book tour goes a little smoother than today (laughs) did because you might be on a roll, you know, and I don't want to set a trend here, but if you needed help out in San Francisco, my wife's cousin's out there. so. All right. Yeah, he he just went to work for Patreon. So uh, Wow.
0: All I thought about all day was there's an upside to us doing these at (laughs) microbreweries.
1: I think you're absolutely right. I was going to ask you... there was a little trend in the type of venue, but you do tell me (laughs) that you're going to change from time to time, uh, depending on what city you're in. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, but this has been tremendous. I really wish you and Emily, the best of luck with the stack book launch, your super serious guide to modern money management. Absolutely. If you
0: want to join us, stacking com slash stacked has all the cities. There's links to event brights. If there's not a link yet, there will be, it means we're still working on it. So you'll see the end of the tour just, keep hitting refresh every few days and you'll see that we'll we'll get dates we get new dates every day
1: yeah and you can google you know stack book tour and it'll yeah. come right up in google uh, i will add links uh, in the show notes uh, to the stacking benjamin's page as well as uh, the tour information and we'll be sure and share that where's the best place for someone to buy this book that helps the booksellers the most you, you know i really like my independent bookstore
0: but it, And I know we're gonna be in some Barnes and Nobles, which is fine. Yeah. Uh, these places where we all get inspiration from are disappearing, so buy it from there. And I'll tell you this, if you're somebody who's where I was in the early 90s when I was really struggling with money and living paycheck to paycheck, don't buy my book. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to go to the library, I want you to get it and read the first quarter of it about stacking your first Benjamin. And when you stack that first Benjamin, then you can buy your own that you can have your mom sign, you can write in, you can do all the stuff in, but but go to the library first to get your start. And then later
1: on, you can use it like I use the Hardy Boys detective manual. <laughs> yeah. After you stack your first Benjamin, you'll be ready for part two, building a stack of Benjamins. Then part three, holding on to Benjamins without burying them in the backyard. <laughs> great investment strategy there. And then part four, finally stacking Benjamins on top of other Benjamins. <laughs> Buying some security and comfort. Yeah. I tell you what, those four parts, you can learn an awful lot about personal finance and really have a lot of fun doing it. So that'll be a great way to sign off from this episode. I'm Lambo, the Phi Lighter, here with Joe Saul Seahigh. And we're talking about Stack, your super serious guide to modern money management. Thanks for listening. Firelighters, we're out. I don't have a TV face or a radio voice, <laughs> but I'm live.
0: Okay, I'm isn't, it to... a TV f- isn't it a TV voice or radio face? <laughs> I don't have either <laughs> one. Rick. I wish you... I even had a radio
1: face. I don't even have that. <laughs> so, Joe, I've got to ask this question. You know, um, I remember talking to you at FinCon, and we're sitting at, at a microbrewery at FinCon, and you said you took the train... From Texarkana to Austin. What, no, to and, and Dallas, then, then to you, Dallas, and, and, to and, Dallas. Okay, so you tweeted again. You did another train ride. I did. What is it with you and the trains?
0: Oh, I got to tell you what I love. Well, a, I love trains. <laughs> I wanted to have a train set when I was a kid, and I never did. I bought all kinds of stuff for a train set, and I never set it up. My mom, in that in that box
1: of stuff, Right, right. my old train stuff was there, too. Oh, I've yes. got, I had a train when I was a kid. It, HO scale, you know, it was probably a little older than your train set. My but,
0: friend, uh, Len who who's a contributor on our show he's he's getting ready to retire and when he retires this year he's already started working on his train he took his son's room when his son moved out Uh and 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 he repurposed it absolutely (laughs) no and he's got the board set up all over the room like he's the whole room is going to be a train layout
1: so at the ergonomic work
0: level right yes absolutely no it's cool but here's here's what i love i love the middle of america i think that the middle of america gets a gets a uh short shrift from a lot of people
1: yeah um
0: uh and you got these great older cities like i I knew nothing about kansas city until a few years ago and i went to kansas city maybe five
1: six years ago what a great town well my, my son's at wash U in st louis oh, just and Saint i had Lewis. no idea how yes. much history that city had and how old it is and and he's right there uh by the medical center right at the end of the park right and yeah and he walks to you know now he's grown up raised in texas right but you know hey do you drive to school when the weather's really bad he said dad i'm not a fair weather walker <laughs> Good job. Good awesome. nice job. You're the man, buddy. You can go through that eight year PhD, MD, PhD <laughs> yeah, program. Right. Yeah. So. I
0: like the, I like, I'm an advocate for high speed rail because I think it's going to bring back those cities. I and think that, it's going to really bring back those cities. So if you can connect yeah. these cities, if you can connect Chicago to St. Louis and get there in two hours yeah, or an hour and a half, you know, um
1: Well, you I, know, the Houston Dallas one is one. It's yeah. only going to have one stop and that's outside College of Navasota near College Station, yeah, right? So right. and they're also building what we call the Aggie Expressway, but there's a toll road that uh, that takes you down from almost Highway 6 but just uh, jog over to Plantersville right straight down into Houston. And it's a game changer on going to the airport and stuff. You know, and when you can live somewhere and be less than an hour and a half from a major, major, major airport, get on a plane. You know, my daughter went out to California last week and I said, it's amazing. You woke up here and at two o'clock in the afternoon, you're sending me pictures out your hotel window of the stadium there in San Francisco. I know, isn't that nuts? And it's, it's like, that's magic. I know. I used to, you know, fly internationally a lot. And you, you go to sleep and you wake up, this one ultra long flight. There's 11 hours from Houston to Moscow and another 11 hours from Moscow to Singapore. Oh, man. You had to get off the plane and there's snow on the ground in Moscow. You get back on the plane then you go down to Singapore, get off the plane and you sweat like the daylights because... <laughs> An island in the middle of the ocean. And you're like, what the heck's going on? It's a little bit humid down there. Yeah. But traveling is something else. But you know, you're combining uh, planes and trains. I'm sure plenty of automobiles. (laughs) You know, you took a a lift on the way over. You're going to see it all on this trip. (laughs) It it is, you know, one of my themes when in high school. Two things. One was I use this phrase: make memories. You are going to make some memories on this trip. It's going to be incredible, incredible, you know, and the other ones make it happen, you know, and and you're literally willing this book tour to happen no matter what bags or no bags, buddy. you got to move forward.
0: I got to tell you the, uh, yeah, uh, there's a, um, there's a quote that I think about a lot and I'm not going to, I'm not going to directly quote it, but it's Michelangelo. Michelangelo talks about the problem most people have in life is not setting their bar too high and not reaching and so we bar too low and we 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 reach it all the time kind of like that guy who's who's fine right his bar's not high enough right right and so when we started peeling this off i'm like you know what if i'm doing a book tour how many of these am I going to do? I'm 54 years old. I don't know how many I'm going to do. Yeah, I don't know what happens next year. So let's do it. And Cheryl and I put our heads together and, 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 and being away from the person I love is hard. It is, it is I wasn't hard. I was going to ask about that
1: because Oh yeah. That, that was the hardest thing when I had kids in middle school and high school and, my longest trip was 3 weeks to the far east and I said never again yeah. am I going to do that. And, and well, it, it's hard when you're away. Yeah, luckily we
0: broke it up like that. We've yeah. got I've got 17 days to start then I'm home for 3, then I'm away for 5, then I'm home for 5, then I'm gone for like 22 days.
1: Is Cheryl going to join you a little bit in those She trips? is. Yep. She's
0: going to join me um uh, she's going to join me in Cleveland around Easter weekend. Okay. Uh, cause that's where, that's where, uh, we have a lot of family in that area. And so the Thursday before that weekend is the Cleveland thing. And then I took three days off cause nobody's yeah. going to want to do an event right. right during right, that time. Right. So yeah. she's going to fly up there. So that 22 day stretch, the big long stretch, she's going to meet right me at that the, you know, at the halfway point. Okay. She's going to meet
1: me. Yeah. Well, yeah, it'll be tough. And I know the ones around you will, uh, will miss you while you're gone. Uh, but you'll be having a good time, too.
0: It depends, because we have game night, and, and and I win a fair amount, and now my buddies are like, oh, we get to win now.
1: Yeah, uh, I listen to the Matt and Board podcast on the way here. A friend of mine, Austin, does this podcast you would enjoy it, it i would it's got gaming theory oh. and the origin of games and and, and uh, i'm in i'll put a link to that in the show notes as well if you want to listen to austin on his Matt and board podcast it's a great one he's a super guy you know the scientist type guy too so you know you're getting the real deal when a scientist plays that, games that's <laughs> that,
0: that's 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 my thing well for me that's my downtime i i mean you know my brain continually is going and i would rather play a game than watch tv
1: Wow, that's, that's great. You know, and I, I tell you, I found, you know, I, I retired a little over two years ago. And at first, you know, I've got in my, in my study there, I've got a TV up on top of the shelves. You know, I have CNBC going. It doesn't take you long to realize... You don't need to watch Talking Heads. At some point, kind of also in your investing approach, yeah. you're not a headline reacting guy. Yeah. You know, at the end of the day, these guys are doing nothing but creating excitement, shock and awe to get advertisers. Absolutely, right? and you know, and I don't want to hear about some quick way to trade your way to success. You just get depressed. And a platform, you know, you've got some stuff in the book about uh, shortcuts with money. And and the reality is there are no shortcuts. (laughs) That's what I tell my kids, but, you know, I try to live it, too. Uh, You know, things happen when you do the right thing consistently over time, and you will win if you do that one of those life lessons you have to learn it the hard way a few times but hopefully not in, in an expensive way and when there's still plenty of time to recover absolutely man you nailed that lamp yeah that's you, that's
0: that's part of everybody our... everybody just heard lambo make a huge point and yeah. he put his hand down
1: and didn't look at just just man i know you can imagine <laughs> what we look like on this episode that's why there's not a youtube channel for this one man <laughs> But uh, I I think that's the doorbell ringing. It's it's like ringing the cowbell. I think the after show is, hey, we do need. It's like you're back there with the Aggies. We need a lot more cowbell. (laughs) Okay, that's it for the after show. We're signing off live on the Stag Book Tour here in Houston, Texas. We're out. Episode 13 of the Fire Ladder podcast was recorded Thursday, March 3rd, 2022. Post-production on March 7th in the Feiliter Studio.